Welcome this morning, church, family, friends, visitors, e-members. Thank God for having you again this morning. We are doing somewhat of a special edition this morning. This is Communion Sunday. Communion Sunday. We're going to uh, uh, partake in uh, the Lord's Supper and we want to uh, lay it out on the line, the benefits that there is to communion. But we don't, uh, we'll get into the specifics, but I just want you, if you uh, just logged on and you don't actually have the bread and the juice, uh, take this time to uh, see what you have around the house that you can use um, for the bread and for the juice. Amen. We, uh, you know, don't necessarily go get you no Mad Dog 2020, nothing like that. You know, you will be in a spirit, but not the spirit. Amen. So this morning we are going to uh, discuss a few things, share a few things. Faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. And I believe that this morning will be a very, very powerful, powerful Sunday. Amen. We're excited about what God is doing. And uh, so, without any further ado, uh, I just wanted to give you that uh, the, the preliminaries so you can, by the time we do get over into the actual uh, communion ornaments, you would already have had something that you can be a part of this. Because I'm telling you, communion is far bigger than a lot of times we see it. So, let us bow our heads, let's pray, let's get right on into the word this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for the power, for the anointing, for the grace. We thank you, Father, that you are here with us. And Father, we thank you that this morning we are going to have a tremendous time that has been preordained, predestined by the Spirit of the living God. We thank you right now that, Father, as we are transparent, you will have the ability to work in us, through us, for us, and with us. So, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. For the tremendous amount of power that will be released this morning. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, and amen again. So, uh, this morning we're going to talk to you. And, and, and as the Spirit of God gave this to me, uh, the title, and I've taught communion uh, several times. And each time it seems that God goes in a, a different angle. So this morning, we're going to talk about remembering communion, remembering communion. You know, for thousands of years, the church has continued a practice that is called communion. Uh, and depending on the different church uh, 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 affiliations or whatever, some calls it the Lord's Supper. And in another circle, it may be called the Holy Eucharist. However, it is communion. It is the Lord's Supper. Communion is used bread as a symbol of Christ's body and used the wine or the juice as, as a, a symbol of the blood of Jesus. The blood we know has a lot of power within itself. You know, in Revelations, the Bible says that when Satan come down in the 12th chapter as uh, as an accuser of the brethren, and the Bible says that we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. 
So we understand that the blood has power within itself. When you join together uh, the remembrance of communion with the body that was broken for us, and we will get into that, and the blood that has cleansed us from the, being under the dominion of sin, there is a powerful, powerful thing going on simultaneously. So we're, we're going to discuss that. We're going to talk about it. You know, uh, let's just ask the question initially, is this just a tradition? And for many times people see it as just a tradition. Or is there a hidden benefit to this practice? Now, when you look at it traditionally, traditionally it seems to lose its power, lose its value, because it is only looked at as a ritual. It has been accepted as just a tradition. We know the Bible says in Mark 7 chapter and verse 13, it says that we make the word of God of non-effect through tradition. So we can do something so often to until we don't really, really see it for what it is, and it just becomes a habit. It becomes a habitual practice. It becomes a tradition. And at that point, there is no recognition of why we do it. And I know uh, I'm not knocking any church and how they do it. Some church do it every fourth Sunday. You know, the Bible says in, uh, in the book of Acts, they did it every day. <laughs> but Jesus didn't say you had to do it every day. He didn't say you had to do it every fourth Sunday. And there's nothing wrong if you do. Just listen to what I'm saying. However, he said as often as you do it, not necessarily do it often, but as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And many times when we do it, we don't really put Jesus as, at the forefront as to he is the reason and the significance behind it because it's not the bread and not the wine. It is the body and the blood. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So what I want to do is kind of get you up to speed on why we do it. And so therefore, when you do it today, you would do it with a whole new uh, uh, reverence, a whole new pref uh understanding, you will do it with a whole new recognition, and so therefore, you can release your faith in something that you understand. So, just for a moment, take off your religious hats, approach it as though you've never seen it before, which I know we've all heard it, we've all done it, we've all seen it, but faith again comes by hearing and not by having heard, and we're going to just take a a slow walk through the scriptures and see exactly what was the intentions behind Jesus when he initiated the Lord's Supper. Okay? So, let's see, first of all, what communion is not. Taking communion does not make you a Christian. No more than going to McDonald's will make you a Big Mac. A lot of times people in the church do it to soothe their conscience. And they just take communion because it is a ritual to them. It is a tradition on a particular day. And it is a habitual practice. And they take the communion and sometimes it even eases their consciousness. However, 
there's a lot more to be said about why we do it. And if you really, really looked into it, many times you would be a little reluctant to do it unless you knew that all things were in order. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So, uh, it does not make you a Christian. Taking communion does not save your soul, and it does not send you to heaven. No more than baptism. Now, I'm not reducing the, the significance of either. Of baptism, baptism is uh, an outward practice of something that has been done inwardly. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It is identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are baptized without a conversion to your soul, you just went down a dry center and came up a wet center. There must be something inwardly that changes in order for the baptism to be significant to you. So a lot of times people, you ask them, have you been saved? I got baptized when I was six. Are you saved? I was baptized in the church when I was 13. You know, but you're asking them, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior with a commitment to live according to the Word of God by faith? This is what this means in its entirety. It doesn't mean that I partook in a ritual, a tradition, and this is what got me to heaven. This is what saves me. So, communion does not save your soul, and it does not get you to heaven. Jesus said in St. John 14, 6, I am the way. I'm not a way. I'm not one of the avenues. I'm not a route. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except he comes through me. Now, let's continue to go on. Uh, when God actually warns us about taking communion without considering what it is meant to be and, and, and why we're doing it. So, therefore, it is not a ritual. He warns us by saying that if you take communion without judging yourself, without examining yourself, how many people sit in the church and take communion and they don't follow the Lord's ordinances. How many people right now have a cup and the wine and they've not done anything the Lord told them and they've set up their own set of excuses as to why I'm not doing this and why I'm not doing that. And so they take communion and they don't repent. They don't, and I'm not saying they don't apologize, they don't repent. They don't ask God to forgive them so they don't judge themselves. Some of them are in uh, extramarital affairs and they are taking communion. They're holding a cup right now. Some of them are, and it's not saying that you have to be perfect, but you do have to be forgiven. Are you listening to what I'm saying? God has made a way for you to be forgiven. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, he said, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, when you take communion, you have to come to a place where you say, Okay, Father, I need to judge myself. The Bible says because they don't judge themselves, they eat it and drink it to themselves a greater damnation. Which means, and this is why, not discerning the Lord's body. 
In other words, I took this, but I didn't take one minute to see what it actually meant. Are you listening? I, it, we did it as a ritual. Everybody had it, saved or not saved. Everybody had it, and we just took it because this is what we do on this particular Sunday. And really the preachers, the leaders, should explain it to people to keep people. And I'll get to this because it's in uh, 2 Corinthians 11. But it says, for this cause, because you don't discern the Lord's body, there are many sick among you that seem they cannot get healed. He said, and there are even some that sleep or die because they are taking this uh, unworthily without discerning the Lord's body. So this morning when we do take it, we're going to have all things in order. So the power of this, uh, of, of this uh, 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 mandate can be released in our lives. That's why we have to remember why Jesus did it. Are you listening? Now, communion is not an obligation but a celebration. You're not doing it because you have to do it. You're doing it because you get a chance to do it. It is a celebration. It is saying, this puts me in remembrance of the significance of Jesus' death. The reason why he died. He came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He, 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 he was a sacrifice for us. He was a mediator between God and man. He was the perpetuation for sin. He was all of these things and all of these benefits. The Bible says in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. The Bible says, He crowned us with loving kindness, and so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. All of these benefits come because Jesus was the was the substitute for us. This is the whole purpose of salvation. It's not to go around and brag that now I'm better than you. It is Jesus took my place so I don't have to do it. It came. It, 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 it does not promote perfection. It promotes the willingness to be perfected. Are you listening? You're going to learn a lot of things about salvation, a lot of things about why we do what we do. There are a lot of people who got saved at seven years old, don't really remember any of it, don't really know that they were sinning, don't know any of these things. And when you do understand, this is why Jesus did it. This is time for you to go back. See, the Bible says without the law, sin is dead. That means without the law, without your understanding of the significance of the law, sin that's on the inside of you is dead. It is not active to your understanding. He said, and Paul said, I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, what does that mean? When I understood what was right and wrong, and that's not the age of 12, the age of accountability, is when you understand what is right, what is wrong. He said, when the commandment came, I died. That don't mean he died physically. That means that he was alive unto God until he understood that he was a sinner. And then he died, and then the Bible says, Marvel not that I say unto you, 
you must be born again. Which simply means when you understand what's right and wrong, when you understand what sin is, when you understand this, that's when you have to come to God and say, now my sins are on me. Will you take them and put them on you? Will you substitute the horrible end to being a sinner? The Bible says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. So will you take this as a substitute? While I try to live my best to get this thing right through your grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's telling you now, those that may have thought, you know, I'm saved, the Bible says, listen to this, and I used to think this, and this was very foolish, I used to think that, you know, you see those pictures where people are running, there's this door closing, and when they get real close to the door, they stop, drop, and roll, and they roll up under the door, and the door slammed down. I used to thought I could get in heaven like that. Boy, was I mistaken, because when I got saved, I found out you can't even come to God except the Spirit draw you, except there's a conviction, except the Holy Spirit is there ready to do a conversion, ready to do a recreative work. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The Holy Spirit is ready to change your nature on the inside. As long as you still have a sin nature, you can forget about being saved. But when you are saved, you are converted. You no longer have a sin nature. However, you retain a sin conscious. That's why the Bible says in Romans, Romans 12 and 2, the Bible says, be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind by the word of God that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So, I'm tying all this together so we understand the significance of communion. Why we even take it? What is the point of taking communion? We are remembering what Christ did for us. Now, uh, communion celebrates the gospel. It celebrates that Jesus was broken for us that we might be fixed by him. Are you listening? Broken for us that we might be fixed by him. In short, communion is all about a remembrance. The Bible keeps saying this. Remember, remember, remember. Now, how many of y'all guys know uh, Willie Shorttooth? You know, you've heard of him, Willie Shorttooth? Okay, thou has answered correctly. How can you remember somebody you never know? Are you listening? Now, that might be one out of all of the thousands of people that might be watching that know Willie Short, too. I'm not talking about you, okay? What I'm saying, a lot of people take communion trying to remember Jesus, and they never met him. They never confessed, Lord, I want you to be my, not only my Savior, I want you to be my Lord. They never met Jesus. Are you listening? So, how can you remember this is all about remembrance. How can you remember someone you never met? 
And we can fix that too because if you met, never met Jesus, before we take communion, I want to lead you in the prayer so you can meet Jesus. And then you can do the communion and you can celebrate with everybody else and then you can constantly have a reminder of what he did for you on this day. Are you listening? So, Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the bread of life. This means that you are nourished by him. Are you listening? And that you survive because of him. In him we live, we move, we have our being. Everything is about him. He satisfies you when everything else in life leaves you empty. There may be people that are watching right now. You've tried everything. You've tried the drugs. You've tried illicit sex. You've tried pills. Well, yeah, that follows the drugs. You've tried Pampering yourself, traveling. You've tried buying yourself a new car every year. You've tried buying the biggest house you could get. You've tried buying the nicest clothes you can get. You've tried all of these things only to find out that you keep coming to the same place, a life of emptiness. You've tried switching uh, mates, partners. You've had this person, that person, this person, that person, and nothing seems to work. You've tried to indulge yourself in self-accomplishments. you got more degrees than a thermometer, and yet you still are empty. It's because Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and I am the thing, I am the thing that causes you to be filled. And without me, you can do no thing. Nothing. And you wonder, why am I chasing all of these highs that life constantly throws at me? It's because I'm missing the most important element of life. You ever had a thirst and you tried to drink a uh, uh, soft drink? Then you try to drink, drink juice. Then you try to drink uh, 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 anything else. But yet there is still a deep desire for water. The only thing can thirst your quench <laughs> yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> the only thing that can quench your thirst is water. Well, Jesus is like that. Everything that you try, and it doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to fulfill you. It doesn't seem to bring you to that place where you've had enough. It's because you still lack Jesus. He made you with that empty void on the inside that can only be filled by him. Not religion, not going to church, not singing on the choir, not being on the usher or the usher board, whichever way you want to put it, you still are dissatisfied. Uh, one time we were out witnessing and went to this lady's house and we asked her if she knew Jesus. She said, oh, of course, because, you know, I'm, 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 I work in the office at church and uh, administration. But yes, uh, do you know Jesus? She said, I, I sing on the choir. Do you know Jesus? I teach the children. But do you know Jesus? You can have, you can have certain skills in administration. You can have certain skills in church building. And you see it a lot. People have Fortune 500 skills. They can build a church that houses 10,000 people, but there's no anointing. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You can do this. You can build. 
But you cannot maintain without the Spirit of God. You have to keep coming up with gimmicks all the time. You got a Pac-Man machine. Oh, yeah, you had a Pac-Man, you see it. Yeah, then you moved up to a PlayStation. Then you moved up to an Xbox. Then you moved up to a PlayStation 5 in the basement. You got all of these things. You, 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 you do bingo on Friday. You fried chicken on, 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 and fish on Sunday. On Saturday, you get up and you have a pancake supper, a pancake breakfast. Yeah, whatever. But yet you're still empty. I'm not knocking the things that you do. They're only to be knocked if they're done without Jesus. Are you listening? I want you to hear the right thing because a lot of times people get offended when you tap into something that they're doing without listening to the rest of it. I am saying if you do these things without Jesus, that's when it's, it's, it's insignificant. That's when it doesn't really work. Jesus said it. Without me, you can do no thing, nothing. Now, let me uh, continue uh, to go on here uh, because I'm going to have to finish. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He is what satisfies us. This is and when you're empty. The Bible says in Matthew 4 and 4, the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Why? Because when the word proceeds out of the mouth of God, according to St. John, I mean St. John chapter 6, 63, Jesus said, the words I spoke unto you, the flesh, he said, the flesh will profit nothing. But these words I speak unto you, they are spirit in their life. They give you life. Life is in Jesus. That's why uh, when the word of God goes forward, that's what satisfies you. That's what quenches your thirst. That's what fills your hunger. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Why? By the bread of life. The Bible says in St. John chapter uh, 6 and verse 53, where Jesus was talking to uh, uh, the disciples and talking to some of the other people that was around. And uh, he said, except you... Uh, eat of my flesh and uh, and uh, and drink of my blood. You have no life in you. They thought he was talking about cannibalism, so they broke camp. They left. Jesus wanted to know this to the disciples. You gonna leave too? Cause they was offended. They left. And many times the word will offend you because it's trying to line your flesh up. Your flesh does not like the word. It, is, it does not like Jesus. It does not like structure. And then on the other hand, the Bible says a cardinal mind or a mind that has not been renewed is hostile against the things of God. So when you get offended by the word of God, it's trying to correct something. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So we remember this is why Jesus did it. He said, except you digest me, except you uh, have a deposit of me in you, in you, you have no life in you. Remember, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same that was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him, Him was not anything made that was made, and in Him was the life, and the life was the light of man, in Him was the life. And without the Word, you can be a Christian and, uh, and not have life in you. You can have, you can be born of the Spirit but not filled with the Spirit. That's why a lot of times we have a lot of issues. People are born of the Spirit, but they think that they still feel with the Spirit. You have to constantly be filled with the Spirit. You don't have to constantly be born of the Spirit, but you constantly have to be filled with the Spirit. Just like food. You have to have food to sustain life. 
You have to add a word to sustain spiritual life, anointing, and power. Now, to move on, this is what we remember. Communion is a command to remember. Now, let's go to these scriptures so we can go ahead on and uh, and, and, and bring this to a conclusion because uh, I would be totally remiss if I did not go to these scriptures in order for us to bring everything into context. Now, uh, second, well, First uh, Corinthians chapter 11. And I would go, I'm not even going to go all the way uh, at the beginning of this because Paul was rebuking people for coming to the church and they was getting drunk. They was, they was, they had the wine that was fermented. You know, people, boy, I tell you, I'm not even going to go into this, but you know, Jesus made wine. You know, some of you made wine, but you couldn't get drunk off of it the first day you made it. If you made it at the wedding, at the wedding, you wouldn't get drunk off of it because it had not had time to ferment. Anyway, you're going to drink your wine no matter what I say, so let's not argue about that, okay? All right, so let's, let's, let's go on to this. Verse uh, 24. The Bible says, and when he had given thanks, he break it, and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. My body was broken for you. I'm going to tell you a, a, a part about why. Then after the same manner, he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. Again, he's saying it's a command to remember. Why are you doing it? Do it to remember. Do it to 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 uh, uh, recall my purpose, my significance of doing this. And then he said in verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever eat this bread and drink the cup of this of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. Listen to this. He said, but let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. Examine yourself. Don't just take it. Don't just take it because they passed it down your road. Are you listening? Well, if I don't drink this and they're going to think that something is wrong, they'll think something wrong anyway when stuff starts happening crazy because you drunk and, and you ate unworthily. Are you listening? Examine yourself. Be transparent. Be honest. Only you, between you and God. Be honest. And listen. He said, verse 30, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Do you say, because people won't examine themselves when they take of the Lord's Supper, uh, they, they the Bible says, Many people are weak. Many people are sickly. You know, when you have those things that just hang on to you, hang on to you, hang on to you. And I'm not saying if you are in a trial right now, it's because you drink unworthily. You know. You know if you're holding a cup. And you know that if you haven't examined yourself. And then you're always saying that there's something wrong with this part of your body and that part of your body. Have you ever just went back and said... Look, have I just been doing this out of a ritual, out of a habit? Or do I honestly go before the Lord and judge myself? Now, let's go on. 
And then the Bible says, verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that he should not come together under condemnation. And the rest I will set in order when I come. He said, I will set it in order. There must be some order to this. And you must remember. Now, he said, take this. This is my body which was broken for you. And then Isaiah 53 says, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. This is something that we remember when we do it. It's not about the bread and the wine, but about the body and the blood. Healing was purchased for us. We were, we were redeemed from the curse of the law. We were redeemed from poverty. We have a, a right to have peace. It was purchased on Calvary's cross at the same time. When you are taking this, you are reestablishing the fact. Why am I worried about this? Why am I struggling in my body? Why am I dealing with this poverty when this thing has already been purchased for me when my salvation was purchased? We are so quick to grab salvation and leave poverty on the table. We are so quick to purchase salvation and then we are worried about everything. We are so quick to embrace salvation but then we leave we leave healing we leave all these other things on the table and say well you know that's not for me now it's just as much for you now as your salvation because you can't separate them you can separate being entitled to them you can separate walking in them but you can't separate the fact that they were purchased at the same time are you listening to what i'm saying it's not about you being under attack it's about the attack having a right to be in your body, to be in your life, to be in your finances, to be in your home. You should not be going through as much hell as someone that's not saved in your household and you are saved. You should not be going through all that. You have a right. But just like any other right, if you don't exercise that right, you will not walk in the benefit of it. Are you listening? Listening to this, remembering him is, the, the Bible says, listen, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, and I'm bringing it to a close. As he is, so are we in this world. This has been the biggest issue right now. When people take communion, they don't remember him from their elevated position. They remember him from the bottom looking up. He said, you're the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. When you remember him, you should remember him from your elevated position in Christ at the right hand of the Father, redeemed from the curse of the law, walking in the fullness of God. You should remember him from your elevated position, not from some lowly uh, poverty-stricken, broke down, if I could just see another day, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Listen, that's not humble. That's just someone that doesn't know what they're entitled to. We think we put poverty and humility are synonymous. They're not. 
They're not. So, when you remember him, you remember him from your elevated position in Christ. <clears throat> so, as we get ready to pull this to a close here, as he is, remember that, 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in this world. Is Jesus broke? Nope. Is Jesus sick? Nope. Now, attacks will come. It's it's discerning the fact that they don't have a right to stay. It's the mindset of how you receive it. Yes, you could be broke right now, but you don't. The poverty doesn't have a right to stay in your life. Not if you're in Christ. Division in your home doesn't have a right unless you allow it. Whatsoever things you declare lawful on the earth will be declared lawful in heaven. God said, if you bind it, I'll back it. But if you don't, hey, I gave you dominion. I gave you authority. And again, I said this before, we are so excited about authority, but we never, ever push for dominion. Dominion is authority exercise. Are you listening? So, for those of you out here right now who said, well, you know what? I got saved when I was three. I didn't know what I was doing. I got saved when I was seven, when I was nine. I didn't know what I was doing. But right now, I want to know that I know that I know. I want you to pray this prayer with me because we want to satisfy this before we take the communion ornament. Because you can't remember him if you never met him. Drop your pride. I don't care if you've been in the church 40 years. Has the church been in you at all? Let's Let's establish this. Let's settle this. Say this with me right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I ask you now, come in my life. Redeem me from sin. Save my soul. I want to know you on a personal level. I received the blood. I received the body that was broken for me. And I have a right to the tree of life. You said in your word, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Established Upon your word and not my feelings. I receive it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that, you shall be saved. God, he will keep his word. And it's not about your feelings. Now, let's get our communion ornaments. And we're going to pray over this as well. Father, this morning, I no longer tolerate the aches, the pains, the things that are coming into my life unlawfully. I am remembering what Jesus did. His body was broken for me that I may be healed. So this morning, as I partake of the bread of life, as a remembrance 
every unlawful thing in my life is destroyed by my obeying your ordinance. Thank you, Lord. I am healed by his stripes. Now, take this, give it a minute to dissolve some so you can talk. <laughs> now for the juice. Lord, I thank you this morning that by a remembrance of your blood, I'm not subject to live in poverty, to be under dominion of sin, to have all of these things going on in my life and in my own. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, according to Galatians 3.13. So this is a celebration of my freedom. And as I take this juice... As a symbol of your blood of the New Testament, I am completely freed by the blood of Jesus. Thank you this morning for divine victory in every area of my life, and I stand in it. My body is healed. My life is free from dominion of sin and I no longer will worry about what life throws at me. I am an overcomer. Now, take the juice. If you just did that, you should be excited right now. Excited about what God is doing in your life. So I'm telling you this is a new day. Keep remembering what Christ has done. And every time you take communion, remember. There's a command to remember. Remember what he did it for. As you rejoice in the newness and the fullness of life. In Jesus' name. Well, we thank God for that, guys. We've uh, completed the 21 days of fast. We've done the communion. And I just want to say, be obedient to God. TRC members, thank you for your continued obedience. Be faithful in your giving. We are still a church. Whether in season or out of season, we are still a church. Those of you that want to be a part of this church, we have things on our site, on our uh, Facebook page that will direct you. We would love to have you. We would love for you to be a part of our growing ministry. We thank God for you. And hey, we none of us have it all overnight, but together we are stronger and we are more powerful because anything unified will destroy anything that's fortified. You can't do it alone. So, join us. All right. So, until we see each other again, if Jesus is tarrying on Tuesday, whatever you do, whenever you do it, however you do it, just remember you are an overcomer. Remember 
from an elevated position, and therefore you can keep it real.